right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. We got another high-powered, high-caliber episode here of the Crypto 101 podcast. I am your co-host, Bryce Paul, uh, joined, as always, by my trusty compadre, Mr. Brendan Beeman. Brendan, how are you doing today, man? You know, it's hard to be doing bad when the crypto markets are doing <laughs> so good. Amen. I am extremely excited. And man, do we have a really excited, exciting podcast in store for everyone. So tune in. Turn your phones to silence mode because you're not going to want to miss this one. Yeah, we want all your attention. Every last drop of it, we know attention is a very scarce resource these days. But please give your undivided attention, ladies and gentlemen, to the front of the stage. Uh, Naveen Agnihotri uh, is joining us today, who is the, the, the CEO of Cumberland Labs. He's building a ton of cool things, notably Trust App which we want to talk about. But uh, most importantly, we just want to get to know uh, who Naveen is and uh, why he's here in this space. So Naveen, uh, welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. We're so happy to be here. Yeah, no, we, we love it. Uh, we love your energy already from from chatting a little bit before the, uh, the camera's rolling. I know this is going to be a great one. Um, you know, you're very passionate about what you do. You're passionate about why you're here. So, so we want to we'll learn a little bit about your background, even kind of like before crypto. I mean, you know, you were probably around, right? You know, had, had your career unfolding in some direction before crypto pulled you off into another direction. So we want to hear about that, kind of that story, if you will. Uh, absolutely. So um, I'm an engineer by training. I am probably older than a lot of your viewers. Um, yeah. I got started in the early 90s um, doing engineering and then... I got sucked into uh, AI, which actually sucked me into neuroscience. So I did uh, my PhD in computational neuroscience from Columbia. I was a scientist at MIT for a few years, again, just studying how does the brain do things that, uh, and the brain I find so easy doing things that uh, um, AI and computers find so difficult. Um, and so I uh, spent some time building interesting neural networks, and I left MIT in 2005 uh, to create um, a startup that was going to apply uh, AI and neural networks to real-world problems. And that became a series of startups, all of whom were aimed at finding interesting uses of AI and broadly interesting uses of technology um, uh, over the years and name a type of AI. And I have probably done it, uh, tried it, and I can tell you what works and what doesn't. Wow. Uh, real quick, just on the, on the subject of AI, there was, it, it's just really hot in the news right now, obviously. And, I'm, and OpenAI is building this whole chat GPT model. And they, um, they recently like, fired their, their CEO, Sam Altman, like the board, Apparent, and then they rehired him or something. It was crazy. It was in the news. We don't need to go go into it, but I want to kind of get your your take on. Did they discover something maybe dangerous, and so they decided, hey, we got to pull the plug on it. We got to fire this guy who's who's leading this dangerous research. Or what do you kind of think happened there? If you could entertain us. <laughs> um, I, look, I am not privy to any information that you guys are not privy to. I all sure. I know is whatever uh, you have probably also read. Uh, but I can give you a little bit of color that um, I, I think you will not find uh, in a lot, lot of places. Um, and that's what does it really take to uh, build AI? Right? Um, these types of LLM models, um, they're fairly new. They got started when Google published the uh, trans original Transformer paper in 2017. And since then, the sort of field of AI has really exploded in complexity. Right? Mm -hmm. And these large complex models, 
it really takes a um, a huge effort to train one of these models with uh, hundreds of billions of parameters, right? And um, the thing is that um, before uh, before um, OpenAI, really nobody was doing it. There was no effort in 2018, 2019 to really train very, very large um, LLM models, mainly because you couldn't justify the cost. Um, it's hard to estimate, but um, sort of standard industry estimates are somewhere between $100 million and a $1 billion uh, combined in terms of the amount of compute it takes and the amount of effort, human effort that it takes to actually wow. train one model like GPT-4. Right? Um, wow. uh, and the thing is, if you're going to spend a $1 billion dollars, um, can you, uh, and the the fact about AI models that a lot of non AI people don't realize is that the majority of them actually don't work. They don't. The technical word is they don't converge. Meaning, uh, you take the data, you take a very very complicated machine, and it doesn't go anywhere. It's so you have to imagine a, a sort of a very complex AI model as a, like the cockpit of an airplane. Right. Um, assuming that you, the two of you guys aren't pilots, if I put you in the cockpit of an airplane, what are the odds that the that with all the gadgetry and all the dials and all the complexity in, a, in an airplane cockpit, what are the odds that the thing actually takes off? I would say very, very low. Right. Even yeah. when very qualified AI professionals are at the helm of an AI model, the majority of AI models that are tried actually don't converge. So now, uh, just, just think about this. So somebody is taking a billion-dollar bet on a model that uh, we don't know if it's going to go anywhere. And even in the best-case scenario, even imagine that it converges, imagine that we can train this model, imagine that it's amazing. How much money will you make with it? Will you really make whatever, four or five billion dollars on it to make it worth our while? Do you have a business model that supports that? Um, all of those things are unanswered questions. So that really speaks to why somebody like Google or Microsoft or uh, like companies like that don't uh, like weren't doing this before OpenAI was because um, it's not a business case, right? This is not something that Goldman Sachs would do. This is not like uh, it's not a cut and dried um, sort of. Uh, cut and dried uh, math where you just say, okay, we're going to spend a billion dollars, we're going to make five billion. Done. We do it. No. We're going to spend a billion bucks. Uh -huh. Yeah, you don't know if it's going to train or not. You don't know if it's going to uh, make you money or not. You don't know how much money you're going to make. You don't know how good it's going to be. There's so many unknown questions. So it really yeah. takes like a, a very startup-y type of guy to really lead an effort to make it happen. And I started to be type of company. And that's really what OpenAI was, right? Sam Altman used to head by Combinator before he went to OpenAI. He's a classic startup guy. You need people like that. You need a team like that to really lead an effort like that. And um, now, so that was a very long-winded way of saying um, that this is, a, this is a special company in the world of AI. Right? OpenAI was a special company, special from several points of view, including uh, the funky way in which it got started as a nonprofit, and then it moved to being a for-profit. And then, it, um, you know, so there's, there's that sort of strange things happening in the governance of it at that level. And then there's the bets that they're taking. They're taking these huge bets um, with very unclear commercial outcomes. Um, so I'm not sure what the dynamic is. 
um, uh, uh, on the board. I'm not sure what's going on. And you know, uh, Sam's a, like a outsized um, uh, sort of figure in that whole ecosystem. And I don't know what the dynamic is and what the board was thinking or any of those things. Sorry, I'm not giving you any answers. I'm just going to give you some insight no. into um, something interesting that uh, I, I don't think is commonly understood. No, that, that's exactly what we want. Um, it's just such an interesting kind of level of insight. And um, yeah, you, you know, your background in AI um, is, is so fascinating. And I'm curious if, if it kind of informs any of the investing that you do at Cumberland Labs um, and, um, and sort of the incubation and, and any of the thought there. Are you looking for, you know, crypto adjacent and AI adjacent projects to invest in and, and incubate or, or what, what do you look for? Um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, the answer to your last question is yes. We always look for interesting projects. Uh, personally, um, I am actually quite interested in the way that technology um, broadly is applied to solve real-world problems. Right? Uh, I think I mentioned this earlier when I was talking about my own companies. All of my own companies were all uh, ones where AI was used or blockchain was used or technology was used to really um, solve a problem that people have in the real world. Um, and that, I think, is where things become interesting for, for example, blockchain. Um, there's a lot of uh, effort right now um, in blockchain to say, what are the use cases? Um, uh, how will we use blockchain to solve uh, problems that people have today? Um, and um, uh, because of so blockchain has an interesting conundrum. Right? Uh, and I I. Uh, from if you take the narrow viewpoint that blockchain should solve uh, people's problems, then the fact that there are these tokens that are created, either fungible or non-fungible, the fact that there are these tokens almost looks like um, uh, 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 like an interesting happenstance uh, because that's not what um, uh, sort of solves most people's problems. Because if you think about it, the tokens, uh, fungible, non-fungible, whatever they are, um, the majority of people actually, the majority, uh, there's 8 billion people in the world, 7 billion of them actually can't afford the tokens, at, uh, um, uh, you know, fungible or non-fungible, right? So how will we solve the problem of a lot that a lot of people have um, using this amazing technology? Blockchain, I believe, represents probably some of the best technology of the last 30 years, right? And I say that as an AI guy, it is an amazing technology. It represents an amazing leap forward in what you can do. Um, I'm happy to talk about that uh, again in the context of Trust App. Um, but this is an amazing technology. How will we use it to solve real-world problems that real-world people have? Um, that is something that I'm passionate about. That is something that Cumberland Labs is passionate about. And if there are people out there who are working on problems, who have solutions, who are um, trying to figure these things out, we would love to work with them. We would love to support them in any way that we can. Was there like an aha moment for you where maybe you saw something, whether it was like a deep fake or AI being used in a negative way that was like, I need to be the one to combat these issues? Definitely, definitely. Um, so um, uh, uh, I'm going to talk about Trust App for a second. I'm happy to come back to Cumberland Labs if you want, but talking about Trust App. Dive in. Um, um, yeah, so talking about Trust App, um, the problem is actually misinformation. Uh, misinformation or fake news, right? Uh, this has always been a problem from the very earliest days, right? 30 years ago, uh, when I first got started with the internet in 19, maybe the early 90s, 
Um, it was always an issue. You just didn't know what was what. You didn't know what to believe. Um, and as humans, we bring sort of a trust that we have in uh, institutions, in the printed word. You know, in the in the 70s or 80s, you would just believe whatever you read because it was largely produced by uh, trusted parties, by large uh, entities that you believed. Uh, you know, it was it was by um, uh, Dan Rather or by um, uh, you know New York Times or whatever it was. You know, these big institutions, you believed them. And when people came to the internet, they, they, they brought their sort of belief system with them. So the instinct that most people have is to just believe whatever it is that they read. But very clear from the early days of the internet that you just, that just wasn't the case. And I think social media really brought that sort of uh, uh, this fact out that you really shouldn't believe everything that you read. Although most people still just um, you know, they'll pass on and they'll post whatever it is that they find without making any effort to see if it's true or not, if it's actually um, even remotely possible that that is true, that, uh, you know, whatever, the earth is flat or whatever it is that, that people want to believe in. Um, so for me, the, the how moment came sort of early this year when um, it became clear that AI was really part of the problem, right? Um, so uh, uh, just fun fact for you guys. Um, uh, uh, so as a, as a scientist, uh, I, ca I care deeply about facts. And I care very deeply that um, facts are established in a scientific way. Right? So, so uh, uh, the, the scientific way is to set up a hypothesis and then figure out if it's true or not. That's sort of the standard scientific way. So you can take any um, uh, theory that you have, and it could be something uh, simple or something complex. And then you break it down and you say, how will we address it scientifically? Right? Um, uh, that's something that I care deeply about, and that's something that I think uh, the world does not do enough. Um, uh, too much, too, too much of, of the um, uh, information out there is just sort of um, uh, is what I would de describe as sort of pablum or uh, maybe just uh, people saying uh, uh, very bland things that don't make much sense when, uh, with any amount of rigor. Um, so, uh, uh, given that I care deeply about science um, and I've worked on AI for thirty years. Uh, here comes AI, and now people are applying it to make uh, misinformation worse, right? Um, now people are using AI. People are using my thing. I, I, I consider AI to be my thing. People are using the thing that I spent the last 30 years of to make the thing worse that I love. So I'm like, okay, no, no, this is this is not right. This is not um, – uh, uh, I, I, I can't just stand by and let this happen. So I uh, really began thinking about what – um, what are the best technologies that we have today that we can bring to bear to really address misinformation and fake news? How can we help people stop um, posting things, stop saying things that just aren't true? Um, you know, maybe we can't stop them, but at least we can discourage them. At least we can give them a little indicator. Look, this thing that you're about to say, they're not true, you know, not true according to experts on both sides of whatever spectrum that you uh, believe in and not true according to common sense things that just make sense. So that's really the genesis of Trust App. That's where, where we said, um, let's go after misinformation and fake news. Let's really make a concerted effort to see what is the best technology out there and how can we apply it. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. That's fascinating. And and it just, you know, like you said, I mean, with AI, um, it's it's a double-edged sword. I mean, with great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. And some people are using this technology for, for great ends. Um, and some are using it for bad ends. Mm-hmm. And so Trust App is really trying to tip the the weight or tip the scales in the favor of the good guys. Um, and it's utilizing uh, blockchain technology to do so. And so we kind of want to unpack that. Like, you know, at a, at a, you know, you're a scientist, 30 years experience. I am a, a mere plebe. Uh, and my listeners are probably not as well uh, versed in AI uh, as, um, as you are. So try and dumb it down for, for us, us mere mortals. Um, we want to understand how this works and, and how you're solving such a significant issue. Absolutely. Um, happy to do that. So um, the two main um, headers in which the technology that we work on for TrustApp resides are AI and blockchain. Okay. And I'm uh, uh, happy to go into each one of these individuals. Um, on the AI front first, it's very clear that um, what is true and what is not true can really only be established by the best AIs of what is out there right now. Right? So for example, you say, guys, New York Times is reporting that Israel did bomb that hospital. Right? There was a hospital bombing that happened a month ago that, that I'm referring to, which some of you, your readers may be right. familiar with. Well, Very controversial, um, the way it was. Right, it's, uh, very controversial, right? Um, and so some, someone posts on Twitter, um, uh, guys, the New York Times is reporting that Israel did bomb that hospital. Now, that's a, that's a fact or that's an assertion that is true or not true, yes? Um, and it's not difficult to establish that, right? Because, um, uh, uh, because uh, either the New York Times is saying that or they're not saying that, 
Um, so the the, um, the, uh, the the approach that we're taking is uh, using AI, can we actually determine what, what are the assertions and what is being said that you are looking at um, uh, in your feed? Um, and can we look at the sources of news out there? Can we lo- look at the sources of information out there to actually extract um, assertions from that? And can we match? Right. Um, and can we match them from all different sources? So there are 18 sources that are saying that what you're saying is true. OK, uh, we think that it's more likely than not that what you're saying is true. Um, 16 of the 18 sources are saying that are disagreeing with what you are claiming in your tweet. So we don't think it's true. So what we want to do is if as a consumer, as a reader, we uh, as you're browsing your feed, we want to give you little indicators that just say, little, little sign, a little green tick, a little red question mark, um, a little green tick that says, yes, um, we think that this is likely to be accurate given that um, uh, the sentiment here in, is in agreement with the vast majority of what is being set there, uh, set out there, and or a little um, red check mark uh, right there in, the, in your feed that says, okay, um, no, I don't think so. You know, uh, just go check your sources. Uh, like, and by the way, the little check marks that I'm talking about. If you hover over our check marks, we open up a little um, a window that shows you what our analysis is. So we give you a link to the to the original source. We tell you this is why we think this is questionable, or this is why we think it's accurate. Right? So we yeah, want this to is empower. In, this is you could just plug this into your browser, right? I mean, this is exactly. anybody. So it's use. a and absolutely. So the first uh, release of TrustApp is a browser plugin, um, sort of like MetaMask or one of the other browser plugins um, that uh, enables users to just um, quickly assess the likelihood that their Facebook, the Facebook post that they're seeing or the Twitter post that they're seeing is actually true or not, or likely to be true or not. Wow. No, you incredible. know, I'm curious to hear some of your experiences with everything that's happening in this like AI and deep fake space because one of the popular new scams that I've seen pop up is this one, especially for people who have a public presence on the internet or on social media, it kind of listens to their voice and then recreates it. And it'll like call their loved ones or people of interest Mm -hmm. and call them and act like this person. So for example, you know, me and Bryce, we're all over the internet. We now have all these podcasts and YouTube videos and et cetera. (laughs) So what they do is that They'd send an AI model to listen and analyze our voice, and then it would call maybe our parents saying, hey, we need you to send us money, or hey, I need my social security number. I lost it. Can you give it to me? And then all of a sudden, they go, oh, this sounds just like my son. Uh, Let me go ahead and just give them that. You know, Come to find out, it's actually an AI or a deep fake that is recreating our voices. So I'm curious from your end, like, what are the popular new... um, I guess, scams or ways that people are at risk here that they might not realize yet? And then how can they protect themselves from stuff like that? So um, um, I can answer the second question, I think, much easier. Absolutely. Um, which is um, the, the um, and the, end, the, the quick answer is stop believing things <laughs> um, uh, that you read or that you uh, uh, messages that you receive, stop believing most things on the internet is uh, is the honest answer. Um, because really, what has happened is that um, AI and other types of technologies have really caught up to where um, technology should be. 
right? Um, uh, this goes into the point that I was making earlier. Um, we, as humans, um, uh, and, and we can talk about this uh, from a neuroscience perspective, uh, from an evolutionary perspective, um, uh, as a brain researcher, I can tell you uh, why this makes sense, but uh, we tend to be trusting um, trusting uh, species, right? We believe uh, most things because uh, um, from a long, lo uh, long-term survival, from a longevity perspective, it actually makes sense um, that um, we should believe most things that we uh, encounter. Uh, we should believe most human, uh, most uh, what most humans say. Unfortunately, that's just not a world that we live in anymore. Given uh, human intentions, given uh, human plus AI together, the combined uh, potential for harm, it is really important for everyone, including our parents um, uh, and everyone around us, to just, first of all, take everything that you receive, um, and the default needs to be, yeah, not true. Yeah, not buying it. You know, even if it's you, unless it's you in person and they have good reason to believe that it's you in person, they should really should not be believing anything that they uh, that they receive. Right? Let's just start with that. Let's just start with. with um, and by the way, this is also the default scientific view. Yeah. So science uh, begins with the with, with, with the with, with the sort of baseline of, yeah, we don't believe anything that is being said. OK, now, what evidence will it take to make us believe? Yes, that really, uh, uh, you know, the world needs to be more scientific. The world needs to behave more like how science, scientists, um, the true scientists behave, which is um, when, you know, when you hear uh, Newton's uh, third law, the first thing that every scientist says uh, is, yeah, not, not mine. You know, OK, what evidence is there for this? Um, how will we collect evidence for this? Right? And that's really um, going back to your point about deep fakes and all of these things about AI. Um, the question is, what systems can we put in place um, for, as a consumer to say, yeah, that really is Bryce um, or no, not really Bryce. You know, um, can we set up, set up a challenge? Bryce says, can you send me your social security number? OK, Bryce. Um, uh, what's my middle name? Or, okay, Bryce, um, uh, what you is something some that only you or Bryce would know? You know, like something, yeah. a little thing, a little, uh, 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 the, the, uh, it's a personal version of a two-factor authentication, you know? A little safe um, word. Yeah, exactly, a little safe word. So something that only Bryce would know, uh, only well, you and Bryce would know. So that's really, um, uh, again, it's a question of how will we prove something is true or how will we prove that the views being expressed are the views of this person? Um, absent them, just the person saying, yeah, I'm saying so, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson has this big thing about how uh, eyewitness testimony is the least reliable thing uh, in all of science, right? If somebody says, <laughs> I saw an alien, the, all, the whole world of science is like, yeah, not buying it, you know? Meanwhile, if in, uh, in the court of law, if somebody says, oh yeah, I saw him kill that person, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, okay, we believe you. And no, not buying it, you know? I think that we're, we're yeah, getting to the world where sooner or later, courts are gonna come to that point where we're, we're gonna stop uh, believing in eyewitness tes uh, testimony because it really is, um, you know, what one person sees or says, believes that they saw is not reliable, right? So let's yeah. build systems um, that actually are able to test assumptions and test this hypothesis. The hypothesis, this is right. How yeah. will we believe this? I think yeah. AI will will absolutely, in some form or fashion, 
change or you know yeah change law right because like you said i mean mm-hmm. you, you it will no longer you can't you can't you'll be able to prove that you know you can't trust a, a piece of media about you because you'll be able to prove that hey like look i could create that same thing with ai or something very similar um so that you're, yeah i mean it's, it's crazy to think about what what deep fakes are doing and and i see it now you know brendan actually asked like what are some of the other scams that you know viewers could watch out for um, I've seen these things all over the place. Um, fake Elon Musk, fake Bill Gates. Um, you know, their words in their mouth are saying, "Hey, send money to this Bitcoin wallet, and we'll send you back double." It's a new promotion we're doing. You know, we're giving away new all this stuff, right? People on the internet they see it, they think, "Well, you know, how can this be fake?" Right? It's Elon Musk talking, t- saying, "Send this, send Bitcoin to this address. I'll get double back or whatever." And um, it's just crazy how how scammy and how good the scams are getting mm-hmm. these days. Um, Absolutely. So, so Absolutely. hopefully, you know, Trust App is something that we could recommend to our listeners um, because, you know, and, and hopefully Trust App does something to maybe mitigate against those fake giveaways or those, you know, spammy sort of uh, YouTube links you might get to. You know, would Trust App kind of flag that and say like, this is not the real Elon Musk or is there a way to kind of you know, have Trust App um, alert people to where there might be suspicious activity with crypto-related media? Absolutely. I, I think crypto is a great use case for Trust App um, uh, as well, because crypto, as you are um, well aware, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the advantage and sort of double-edged sword of crypto is that any transfers that are done are immediately final. You know, so unlike the uh, unlike um, uh, sort of uh, the U.S. banking system, where um, if you do a transfer and you find that uh, the person was was defraudulent, you have some time to take it back. Um, in the world of crypto, you ain't taken back. You know, it's gone. Right. So crypto is um, uh, is a much better candidate for fraudsters from for that reason because I can really get get away with a lot more. Um, uh, like a bank where um, uh, people have more recourse to getting things back. People have more recourse to what they can do with the law and so on. And with the crypto, well, uh, it's gone. Uh, you know, um, It's a good thing and a bad thing. It's, it's a good thing that I have full custody. I take full responsibility. So when I give it my money to Brendan, when I give, when I give it to um, whoever, Sam Altman, um, it's gone now. <laughs> I have no recourse of getting it back. If I made a mistake, oops. Um, so yeah. uh, for that reason, crypto, I think, is a great first use case. And crypto people um, should be doubly aware um, of everything that can go wrong. And crypto uh, um, should have better use cases of figuring out scams. So um, I can easily imagine uh, something like Trust App or a, uh, a sister app to Trust App being built specifically to solve crypto problems. Um, so Trust App is, um, uh, we, we can talk about the roadmap for Trust App and where it goes from here and um, how, how we are imagining that it goes. Um, but um, uh, you know the use cases that you spoke about, which is sort of one-to-one uh, interactions and figuring out if that really is Bryce and figuring out this problem, I think, A, it's a great problem to solve. Uh, Trust App doesn't solve it right now. Um, but I think it's a great problem for someone to solve. And I think um, the world of blockchain can actually be used in an interesting way to solve the problem. 
um, because uh, blockchain can be used um, to recognize what is true and to mark what is true in interesting ways that you really cannot use any other conventional technology. Yeah, I mean, it's going back to Bryce's point here. It's funny because I will have people that reach out to me and say, hey, I'm Bryce Paul. Have you ever listened to the Crypto 101 <laughs> podcast? And I'm like, no way. I've never heard of something like that. Like, oh tell me God. more. It makes my um, stomach turn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all, all jokes aside, I think that we are stepping into this direction, kind of like what you're working towards over at TrustApp, Naveen, where it's not exactly what you do now, but I can see someone kind of start to create that, whether it's you or whether it's someone else, we're starting to see some really useful um, applications to combat everything that we're seeing in this AI space. But I think the big thing that I want to kind of hit home on here is that for every 10 things that happen that are negative, we've talked about the negative a little bit in this podcast, there are 100 things that are positive. And so, you know, I think what we can't do is overlook all the positive things that are happening because there are so many great mm -hmm. things happening in the world of AI and, and everything. And we can't focus yeah. too much on the negative, but there's a lot of stuff to um, be excited about. Absolutely. And uh, let me take that as a segue to talk about why blockchain uh, is important for trust time. Okay. Yeah, uh, this is uh, talk, talking about the positive um, uh, impact that uh, blockchain has, right? Um, so uh, this gets a little bit philosophical. So just um, give me a little bit of rope. I'll, I'll uh, try to be, be um, sort of short about it, right? Um, so uh, in the world of Web 1, um, the foundation was a set of protocols that were built largely by um, academics and uh, engineers who had no expectation of uh, profitability. So, for example, TCP/IP was written by um, uh, people at MIT who were funded by DARPA. Um, HTTP was written by Tim Berners-Lee uh, at CERN. Again, these were just researchers. Um, you know, SMTP was written by it's not even clear who, but um, again, it said that's just a protocol. Now, on top of SMTP sits. Uh, Gmail or uh, Hotmail or Yahoo Mail or Outlook, right? And so the application was separate from the protocol. And that's a very important distinction um, that um, you, you, you use the same protocol, which is every, all the email providers use the same protocol, it's SMTP, but you can pick any uh, provider you want, which is just fine. Now, you uh, move into Web 2 about 10 years later, and you find that actually that distinction is gone. The platform is the protocol. So Twitter is a platform, but Twitter is also a protocol. So if you um, have been sending out tweets and you've sent out 10,000 tweets over the past eight years, all those tweets exist only on that platform. Um, if uh, the government of Iran doesn't like what you li what you say because they find it to be anti-Iran or whatever, um, and they reach out to Twitter um, and the management team of Twitter agrees that, yeah, uh, this is not right, they can just remove whatever it is that you've ever said, right? Um, the C uh, uh, let's say Elon leaves tomorrow, a new CEO comes in town, they implement a new policy, all of a sudden, uh, a bunch of tw uh, Twitter accounts are just gone. That content that has been created, it's just gone. It can be deplatformed at any point, right? So the same thing is true of Facebook, right? Um, the same thing is true of Instagram. Uh, it's true of any of these things. It's a very centralized operation. A few people are directly in control of every single thing that you say, every and single thing that you do. It. 
the government's proving it in some of these uh, investigations right now. Um, absolutely, right. So the the we have moved from a world where um, the uh, the the um, platforms and the protocols were independent, and you could just pick any platform that you want. The protocol remained constant. To now, where the platform is the protocol. And um, it's quite bad. It's quite bad from the point of view of information provenance. It's quite, it's quite bad from the point of view of um, uh, who will believe anything that you say because it can just go away, right? Um, uh, uh, did, uh, uh, did Brendan or Bryce really say this? Did, uh, um, uh, well, Twitter just decided to delete your account. Now it's gone. Um, so uh, in my mind, Web3, uh, among its many, many other features, one of them is it's a public good and it remains, uh, it's certified by all of us and it remains forever. Nobody, uh, if we put it out, out there that Dry said this, nobody can ever say he didn't. There's no entity, there's no company, there's no individual, there's no committee that can come in and remove what Bryce said if we put it on chain, right? That to me is a, a, a very important point um, and a very important facet of uh, Web3, of what blockchain technology allows us to do. It allows us to really um, get in front of this idea of platform, um, a, a platform protocol um, uh, sort of juncture and pull it apart and say, no, ain't doing it. The protocol is here. Per the protocol, this was said. Which platform it was set on is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. You said it on Twitter. You said it on Facebook. You said it on um, your personal website. It doesn't matter. You, you put it on, on a phone record. You put it in a Telegram chat. does not matter. We have recognized that this was said and nobody can ever deny it. You know? Yeah, so that's, that's kind of like Kind of like a Bitcoin transaction, right? Like if, if it's got all those six confirmations, you've broadcast that transaction. Everybody attests to that truth. Um, if you run your own node, I mean, you, you as well, you have a copy of that ledger, um, of that canon, of that consensus, of that, that singular version of, of truth that everybody else is agreeing on. That's reality, right? Whereas like in, in the banking system or whatever, you could send transactions back and forth and, and they could get refuted, they could get censored. Um, if there's centralized actors in between, um, you know, they, they might, you know, lose the wire, whatever, um, you know, in, in, in kind of blockchain, um, I, I love the, the, you know, there's a, a consensus mechanism. It's kind of reminds me of what you're talking about as well. Um, I, I, exactly, exactly the point, which is um, uh, let's use blockchain. Uh, so in the world of trust app, we use blockchain as a way, as a technology to establish consensus that something occurred. We are um, uh, using all of us as a way to say this is, this is content that cannot be Undeplatformed, I think is the word that, uh, that I want, which is it cannot be, ever be deplatformed. Yes, like um, you, you you can never remove it. Um, you you can never um, cancel it. It's been said. Um, so so in, in the world of trust app, we are doing two things. First, we are taking pieces of content and we're actually putting them on chain. Um, this is true for everything that we're capturing right now, um, but we want to keep doing it into the future, um, and it becomes ever more important as the facts that we are collecting 
interest at, um, become sparser and more um, uh, uh, and more difficult to um, uh, more difficult to represent in centralized places. So, for example, if it's a Telegram chat or if it's something that a citizen journalist has pointed out. We will. Uh, um, we want to create a system where it can be minted and it can be put in stone and say, "Okay, this was this was recognized. This is true. This person was there. They saw it. They posted a video. Whatever it is, um, and we've established by whatever means we have that that actually happened. Um, that wasn't just AI saying this. It was like nine uh, independent people who took different videos, and we have ways of establishing that they were in the right place at that time. They also, whatever our way of establishing consensus is, we can establish yeah. consensus about something that happened, and we are putting it on chain, and now it's done. It's um, kind of like it's kind of like a blockchain version of uh, Twitter's community notes. Um, like they they just rolled out this new feature called community notes, where you know posts you know could have other people kind of check them and basically say, hey, like this is actually not confirmed, or this is confirmed, and all that kind of stuff, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, and so, yeah, Trust App takes that a next level further. But I kind of wanted to ask one other question, um, kind of on the subject of AI, but you know, kind of like how we were talking about running your own nodes, always having a copy of the ledger, always being able to prove. Um, you know, some people I, I, I hear are starting to run their own, like, AI models, like their own private, like, well, I'm not going to rely on Google Bard. I'm not going to rely on ChatGPT, you know, GPT-4 or whatever. I'm going to run my own. Um, what is that? Like, is that, how, how, do, how does somebody even start doing that? And do you think that that's like, you know, um, maybe they're a little paranoid or do you think it's a legitimate cause? Um, not only do I think it's a legitimate cause, I think it's actually a requirement. Uh, oh, wow. So, so um, here's here's um, uh, uh, yeah. So <laughs> here's here's the way. Um, uh, again, uh, this is something uh, coming from an AI guy. Uh, this is something that isn't talked about that much. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. So let's um, uh, let's take uh, um, le let's take two steps back from this actual question, and let's look at these models. So um uh, um chatgpt bard all of these models right? you take the entire set of uh, internet data right what is the data that the model has been trained on it's everything that's out there right it's everything that's out there um and you train a model um that can do a number of things okay so it's a very generalist thing right it's a very generalist thing you have to think of any of these ai models like chatgpt or bard as like a general human being right um, it's a general human being that's good at most things, but it's not particularly excellent at any given thing, right? So, for example, mm -hmm. any general human being will actually not be very good at playing uh, table tennis or at uh, running. Why? Because to be good at running, you need to run a lot, right? You need to actually be a trained runner, right? You need to be running many hours a day for a long period of time. That's how you become good at running. Right. So going back to AI, if you want an AI that's good at X, whatever X is, let's say X is um, uh, um, uh, uh, playing chess right? or X is well, well, pick a topic, whatever it is. Right. You need to actually train an AI model that is specifically trained for that specific use case. OK, so and the way you do that is you take one of these um, more general purpose models like uh, uh, GPT-4 or um, actually it has to be one of these open source models like a Llama 2 or um, uh, you know, a lot of these like um, 
uh, um, uh, a black girl name with the new seven billion model that that just came out. Um, there's a lot of these open mo- open source models that are being released. So Yan um, Lacun is releasing uh, a lot of these models at Meta. Um, uh, entirely open source. You release the model open source, now it's available, right? So now all 7 billion parameters are available, and now you can use your custom data to fine-tune it. You don't need to fine-tune all 7 billion uh, uh, parameters. You can fine-tune maybe 1%, maybe 7 million or 70 million, depending on how much data you have, how much custom data you have, and that's the equivalent of taking a human and letting them run a lot. So that they good at they become good at running, yeah. So, for example, in our use case, um, if we want a model that is actually good at, um, let's say, um, picking out if someone's really talking about X, whatever X is, let's say someone's really good at talking about, or someone's implying that this uh, attached content is from CNN, right? Some specific use case. No um, existing AI chatbot model is actually going to be excellent at it. They will all be okay at it. Maybe they'll all be 80% accurate or 70% accurate. Um, and that's enough to impress most people. But that's actually not enough for any specific use case, right? That's like being able to run a five-hour marathon, right? It's probably impressive to a lot of people, but that's not going to be impressive if you really want to be good at running marathons, right? So now you need to tra- take your data, you take one of these open source models, and you start fine-tuning it. That is uh, neither easy nor simple. Because if you go back to the point I was making earlier, that's really like taking, um, sitting in a cockpit and saying, this plane will take off now. Well, you need to be really good at this, right? You need to really be able to take, uh, um, uh, you know, um, that, uh, you know, these seven billion parameters and figuring out how many of them you need to fine tune, how will you do it, what's your strategy, um, uh, you know, how, how will any of this work? Um, so you have to fine tune the model, and now you have a model that's good at what you want it to do, right? At this point, now that's the, and what I'm describing is the basic requirement if you want to be um, sort of a kick-ass AI company today or have a kick-ass AI model that is specific to a use case that you're solving for, right? So you take one of these open source models, you fine tune it, now you're good to start. Well, Naveen, we really appreciate you coming on here and enlightening the masses, truly. I think that this will be something, and we're going to start seeing verification sources like TrustApp being integrated into all sorts of, of daily websites, wallets, you know, crypto wallets, exchanges, news outlets. And it's sad to say that. You know, It's sad to kind of admit that we can see a world where we need to have these third-party sources verifying everything that we do from websites to wallets to exchanges to news to hey, et cetera. Hey, it's digital self-defense, right? I mean, that's kind uh, of what uh, it is. Uh, it's necessary. I, 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 absolutely. So I'll, uh, just in, in a couple of minutes, I'll describe to you a vision of where TrustApp goes and a vision of where uh, uh, TrustApp's sister companion, which we are now imagining here in this podcast, uh, that doesn't exist right now, right? So alpha for people here who want to start their next company. So um, uh, uh, we are imagining TrustApp to be uh, sort of like Grammarly for facts, right? So um, uh, you guys are familiar with Grammarly. It's a company that puts little squiggles below your uh, text and says, um, fix your grammar here, right? Uh, We can, right, Uh, not to spell, but also grammar. Um, And uh, we, we are imagining a Grammarly for facts. 
you are about to do something, um, you're about to put some content out there, you're about to write a blog post, you're about to publish something, and you're saying a number of things in there, uh, and we can just go in and check and say, yeah, true, true, yeah, not true. So we're putting a little squiggle below it saying, you know, the correct thing is this. Um, uh, you know, Singapore did not become independent in 1968. It actually became independent in 1967, right? Or whatever it is, uh, whatever your factoid is. Um, uh, you know, uh, Clinton was not the 41st president, actually 42nd president. Right? Most facts are actually not controversial, but people just don't care. They're just putting whatever content out there, right? So you can imagine, and then you can become specific at this thing. Um, the New York Times is actually not reporting that uh, Israel bombed that hospital. So you can put a little squiggle below it. Now, you can easily imagine a version of this for crypto. You can easily imagine a, a version of this that actually plugs into a wallet um, and you're about to send, uh, you received a, um, a, a request from Bryce saying, dude, um, crisis, send me uh, 0.5 E or whatever it is, right? Um, how about we make an app that puts a little squiggle below it and says, actually, that's not Bryce's address. <laughs> You know, yeah. at least not any address that we know that he uses, you know, um, uh, just something simple like that. Right. Is it even likely that that's Bryce's address? Um, uh, where have you seen Bryce? You know, the last two times we sent money to Bryce, it was these addresses. Uh, mm -hmm. What about this? Are you sure? You, uh, we won't stop you, but we'll put a little squiggle below it and put a little warning there. Saying, uh, yeah. Just be aware. You know, it'd be, it'd be great to have something like that. Um, something to just to have our back. Um, a little digital shield in the world of, uh, you know, everybody's after everybody. Everybody's at, mm -hmm. coming after your money. Everybody's coming after you for one way or another, um, which, uh, you know, that's just the way the world works. But unfortunately, uh, Naveen, we are we're coming up on time here. Um, we, we couldn't thank you enough for, for spending the afternoon here with us and for uh, giving us so much incredible knowledge on the intersection of AI and blockchain. Um, talking to us a lot about Cumberland Labs, the work and the investing that you guys are doing there, along with the uh, incredible system that you built at TrustApp. So um, with that being said, where can people kind of follow you, stay in touch, um, maybe even download the, the app when it becomes um, ready to rock and roll? Uh, so uh, the app, you can just search for it. It's Trust App with um, uh, two Ps. Um, uh, it's, it's coming online uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, uh, it's going to be available in the Google Play Store as a Chrome extension. Um, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm not terribly active, but that is where I'm uh, starting to become more active now on topics around AI and around blockchain. Uh, it's N-A-V-A-G-N-I. So the first three letters and the last four letters of my last name. Wonderful. Um, and AGI, uh, Artificial Generalized Intelligence, also kind of uh, a nice little play there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. Naveen, thank you so much. Um, we, we hope to have you back again soon to, to talk about some more exciting things. Happy to. Happy to, guys. Thank you so much. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.